Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hello, I am so excited to share with you today a message that's really um, heavy on my heart, but also empowering my heart in a way. And as I've been praying over the last couple of weeks, I've been asking the Holy Spirit to just share with me His Word for you for today. And it kept coming back to me, share what's on your heart, share what's on your heart. And so I was doing a lot of digging and praying, trying to figure out what that is, because I have a few things on my heart, but some things I should probably not talk about. But um, this is something that kept coming back to me. And so I've titled this message, let them be one. And I know that this message is going to touch your heart. So let me just pray for you right now. Father God, we just ask that you would come with your Holy Spirit right now and just bring discernment. And we want to say, come, teach us. Let your word be a, as powerful as a two-edged sword, sharp, cutting through our hearts so that we can, we can be moved by your word so that we can be changed by your word. Thank you for your promises and thank you that you are with us and that you love us and that you want to guide us today so that we can become closer to you and that we could represent you better to this world that so desperately needs you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. So I'm gonna read from Colossians 3 verse one to 12. Um, read with me. It is a powerful passage. There is so much meat in this. And remember that every single word that is in this passage is there for a reason. It's not there by accident. It's not that it doesn't matter. Every word is there to speak to your heart today. Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and you have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Wow, so full, so meaty. 
And can you just imagine what our lives would be like, what our societies would look like if we lived this way? If we actually took this instruction that Paul gave and we applied it to our lives. We live in a time of, just a time of ugliness and great divides. A time where we don't see unity. But remember, this is not new. We sometimes think, oh, the world has never been this bad. The world has been this bad. And the church has struggled with all these same things even back in the day. That is why Paul writes this to the church of Colossae, because they need to hear this. They're struggling in these areas. The same things we struggle with today. And Paul is calling on us as believers in this passage to put to death certain things and in exchange to put on some other things. And that's what I want us to look at today. So put to death, we see in verse five, he says, put to death impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In verse eight and nine, he says, put to death anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth, and put to death lying. We need to put these things away. We need to stop making excuses and let them slip. We're called for greater things. And then verse 11, it talks in that whole um, portion about um, division between Greek and Jew, between slave and free. It is powerful, powerful if we really read this and see what is going on here. We see the divide is between Greek and Jew. That's a racial and national divide. We see the division between the circumcised and the uncircumcised. That's religious divide. We see barbarian and Scythian. Now, these were names used for people unfamiliar with Greek language and Greek culture. So they were considered uncivilized. Right over there. Stay away. We want nothing to do with you. We don't think the same. We don't do the same. Let's be separated. And then slave and free. Economic and social divide. Today, still the same. The racial divide hit um, hit hard last year when George Floyd was killed. It, it created an uproar that we saw even in the churches. And I honestly watched people respond. And I was asking myself, and, and we call ourselves Christians? This is how we respond? This is how we behave when we hear people saying that they're hurting inside? This is what we do and we call ourselves Christians? Some of our pastor's friends in the East, they had to lead their staff through a very, very, very difficult time, a really hard season of healing due to racism in the church. This is ugly stuff and we are allowing it as believers in our lives. Religious divide, it's still eminent today. I know of people that will not put their foot in a certain church building because they are from a different denomination and the people from their denomination will frown upon them if they went to that kind of a church. Even with doctrine, right? We see this all the time. We have had people leave our church because there's not enough loud speaking in tongues. And then we have people leaving the church because uh, I've preached. I'm a woman, I should be silent in the church. Religion and doctrine cause division in the church. Nowadays, we see other division in the church. We see and hear of people who haven't gone back to their churches since COVID started because they don't want to sit next to somebody that didn't have a proof of vaccine. 
Then we have people that won't go to church because they are required to wear a mask at their church and they refuse to do so. They're allowing things like that. Many of us are allowing things like this to be more important than unity with brothers and sisters. The church is divided because of earthly things. And you and I cannot pretend that we are not seeing this and that we're not being a part of the divide. I'm not saying that these things are not important. Health and safety is important. But oftentimes that's not what is the root behind it all. It's more pride and judgment. And we need to be better, church. We need to be better. We need to look different. I think what we don't realize is that this is disobedience. And it's incredibly damaged. Damage, it's incredibly damaging. It causes damage. We are doing damage by not doing everything we can possibly do to put those unchristlike behaviors to death. We're missing it completely by fighting for the things that don't matter and neglecting the one most important thing that matters, and it's souls. Souls. We will not see souls saved if the church is not going to be united. We won't see it. We're seeing believers at each other's throats and the people on the outside are looking and going, oh my goodness, if that is what Christians look like, if that is what a church family does to each other, uh-uh, not for me. We're seeing this. And Jesus is sitting next to the Father and I think he's going, please, can you just try to be one? Do you realize that this was Jesus's greatest wish for us? I'll show you. This was J Jesus's final petition. The last thing he prayed for before he went to the cross. The last thing. He didn't, he didn't pray for some of the things that we would think. And you would know if you had to leave your loved ones and you have to pray for them for the very last thing, the thing that's the most important to you, that's the thing you're going to pray for. See what Jesus prayed for. John 17, verse 20 to 26. My prayer is not for them alone. This is the disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us and the church. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. He didn't pray that they will have this boldness to share the gospel and that they would always remember to give money to the poor and, and stand up for religious freedoms. He said, let them be one. Let them be in complete unity. And I know you and I are sometimes looking at this and we think that this is just not possible, but it is possible. Jesus showed us a way. Something about Jesus. Many people see and envision him as this like holy, reverent, 
peace, calm Jesus that walked the earth and he just made everybody feel safe and comfortable. He would never confront anybody. He was not confrontational in his manner, never made anybody feel uncomfortable, never stepped on any toes. No, 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 not Jesus, not Jesus. But that was not Jesus. And I actually, it's one of the things I love most about Jesus is he, he came in love he walked with love and compassion. Never, ever did he lose that. But he went, he went completely against the norm. He threw things upside down with a compassionate heart, but with a goal to change the mindset of the people. Why? Because he had something better for them. And Jesus has something better for you and I. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now because he wants to remind you and compel you to be willing to say, yes, I want a different way. I want Jesus's way. He introduced a new kingdom, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing. Now, remember also in context, in the Bible's times when Jesus was doing all of this, this was, not, um, this was not normal for these people. This was wrong to them, actually. It was completely unnatural. It, it challenged everything that they stood for. It challenged their behaviors, their habits, their rituals, their way of life, their everything. And I love one of the ways he did this, by choosing the most divided people he could possibly find as his disciples. If you look into this a little bit, we had Luke on the one side that was a well-educated doctor, and then we had Simon or Peter that couldn't write. You have the brothers James and John, they were aggressive soldiers, and a few others, and then John who was the one that Jesus loved, gentle, soft-hearted. He put them all together, Jesus chose this. And I want to quickly highlight two of them. The first one is Simon Zealot. So Simon Peter, he was zealous. Zealous means fiery and passionate. Now, who were the zealots? In the context of New Testament, the zealots were a party zealous for Jewish independence and throwing off Roman rule. They hoped to accomplish this by inciting the people to rebellion, driving the Romans from Israel and establishing a mosaic theocracy. They were also known to target Jews who were sympathetic to Romans. They were known to target Jews who were sympathetic to Romans. Horrible, horrible. They used force and destruction. They literally would do whatever was needed to set their nation free from the rule of Rome. They were desperate and they were willing to destroy to create that freedom that they were longing for. Now, there were many zealots in the days of Jesus's ministry and they were hoping to find this liberal leader, a military force, somebody that will lead them into freedom by applying force and control. And I think, I think many of them probably thought, this Jesus guy, is he maybe the one? Is he maybe the one that's going to do this? But what's interesting to know also is that the zealot movement actually never accomplished their goal. Apparently in 70 AD, the zealots so enraged, enraged the Romans that they invaded Jerusalem and destroyed their city. They never got the freedom they were fighting for, but Jesus came. And Jesus brought freedom for all. So here we have Simon, the radical Jewish freedom fighter. And then Jesus brings Matthew, the tax collector. 
come on, into the group all together. He had a plan. Now, Matthew worked for the Roman government. He collected enormous amounts of um, money from the Jews and used it for the self-advantage of the Roman Empire. So most Jews saw Matthew as the traitor of all traitors. And do you think Simon and Matthew would have had any reason to get along? No, they definitely didn't. They most probably hated each other. They would have had complete opposing political views, political beliefs, complete opposing worldviews. I think they were like day and night. But Jesus brought them together because diversity was part of Jesus' plan. It's part of his way. Jesus was 100% intentional when he selected these men. And I believe that before the church was ever birthed, Jesus did this to create an example for us of what the church is supposed to look like. Absolutely diverse, yet one. He was teaching them to focus on the things that are far more superior than all the nonsense that we get fixated on on this earth. Can you imagine just in those days what a miracle that was? Remember, they lived in class divides and groups at all times. If you came from Samaria, I got nothing to do with you. If you were a leper, out with you. This was how they lived. Gender oppression. I mean, women were oppressed. Women were not even accounted for. But Jesus introduced a new kingdom. And this is also why I believe thousands and thousands of people followed, dropped everything to follow Jesus. This mysterious Jesus. How does he do that? How do they all get along? How can they walk together like that? How do they love each other like that? Listen, if the world with all the lost souls don't see us, the church, resembling Jesus' way in this way, where will they ever see it? Where will they ever see an example of diverse people coming together as one, loving one another, kind with one another, meekness, bearing with one another? The world needs the church to demonstrate this. And I love this. Pastor John Burns shared the other week when he um, shared the powerful message. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. And this does not mean Jesus is not the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. But Jesus is not here anymore. He left. He sent the Holy Spirit with us to be in us, to move through us so that we can become Jesus to a lost world. So that they can look at us and go, wow, that is something I want to be a part of. It's our job. It's our mandate. If we're not going to do it, nobody will. I sometimes watch some conversations on social media or listen to conversations among people. And as believers, there's just so much division, so much division. And I'm not saying we have to all be quiet. Please understand me. But there's a way. Jesus didn't agree with everyone. Jesus stood his ground and fought for things that were important to fight for. But he did it in Jesus's way. And Paul teaches this to us in this passage. With humility, he stood up for things that 
he was passionate about. With kindness, with patience towards each other, meekness towards each other, and bearing with each other even when we disagree. That's Jesus' way, and that's the way we are called to respond to diversity. Please let it be us. Life Church, let it be us. Can we be a church that is known to answer Jesus' prayer, let them be one? Can we be that church? Will you be part of being part of that? Nobody can make you do that. Only I can be responsible for the way I'm going to live Jesus out to the world. And you can do the same for you. I truly believe that the greatest miracle this world needs to see right now is that a diverse group of people from all ethnic groups, all political views across the world, the global church united. My family, for some of you that don't know, I have a 15-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter, and then we have a little six-year-old monkey, basically. <laughs> but she's a, she's a little firecracker. But um, my two teenagers, my 15-year-old and 13-year-old, I can confidently say that there are many days where I, Andres and I will talk and we'll say, wow, it's amazing to see them. They walk in our home with love and honor. I feel confident to say 99.9% .9 of the time. And sometimes I'm amazed. Sometimes I think, oh my, I wish I could be like them. And, and I do believe that this is because of God's grace, but also Andres and I decided when they were very little that we will not tolerate any fighting any arguments, any screaming, yelling, outbursts, um, eye rolling, none of that is something we will tolerate in our home. And we've been able to, over the years, cultivate a culture of love and honor in our home. Now, just remember, we don't have to like everything about one another, but we have to bear with one another in love. And our children know it's not, we're not saying you can't have feelings and you can't express them. That would be completely unhealthy. But what we're saying is we express them and we feel them in a loving and honoring way. Now, also to know, for those of you who do know my two children, my two teens, they are as diverse as can be. The one is black and white, nothing in between. The task is here, we complete the task. This is the way we think, this is the way we think. And then on the other side, I have this one who's like, ooh, the world is an oyster. You say black, I say pink. You say white, I say yellow with a little bit of sparkles. They think completely differently. They, they respond differently. Their mindset, their, their view of the world is completely different, yet they are able to bear with one another because I have taught them and we have taught them that we do not give into the flesh. Those behaviors that Paul is teaching us to put to death is responding to the flesh. And as believers, the old self is gone. So we can no longer give into the old self's way of responding, even when we have emotions. Now, I also just want to say, we have failed many a times, all of us. And we will fail many a times. And you will too. But it's what we do when we fail. 
there's a way to come back. There's a way to repent, to change our thinking, to come back, say, I am sorry. The way I spoke to you was not okay. And to correct and choose to walk differently moving forward. And then we're going to fail again, and that's okay. But every single time we do, we have an opportunity to correct, repent, and change our thinking. And not give in to the old self, but instead put on the new self. We are from a new kingdom. We are the church. We are to walk in love and honor at all times. And as a church, we should not expect others to not fail. We will and you will, but we have the grace of Jesus. That changes everything for us. You and I can do this. I know it might feel like, oh, I don't know. This is too hard. This is too big of a of a stretch. It just doesn't seem like it's possible and it's reachable. We can do this. When we make this a policy in our lives, like we did in our home, the Holy Spirit will give you and I discernment every single day. He will guide you every single day to follow through. And you're going to fail. But the Holy Spirit would come and say, mm -mm, I'm calling you to be better than that. And then you have an opportunity to Swallow the pride, go with humility and correct it. This letter Paul wrote gives us such great tools on how to put to death the old self and exchange, um, and exchange it with the new self. And as I finish, I want to go back to Colossians 3 verse 12. Put on then. This is such, I just want to pause it for a second. Put on then. It's like a cloak. Put on then. It's a choice to cover whatever you are wearing or not wearing with something else. And isn't it a beautiful picture to know that when people see, they don't see what was, they see what is. They see that new cloak you're wearing. So put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Two virtues in there that I want to highlight. He's teaching us to pursue meekness. And he's teaching us to bear with one another. Meekness, what does that even mean? When we look in a dictionary, you will find meek to mean like weak words. It's kind of like timid quiet, shy, and you might go like, I don't, I'm not like that. That's not my personality. That's not who I am, and I don't want to be like weak. But to understand biblical meekness, we have to go back to the original word, the original meaning, and we have to look at it in context with scriptures, right? So when we do that, we actually see that meekness means a total lack of self-pride. Another definition is a decided strength of disciplined calmness. So meekness is deciding to stay calm when your emotions want to react. Oh, I love that. Meekness is strength under control. It's powerful. It refers to those who do not assert themselves over others in order to further their own agendas in their own strength, but instead trusting God to direct the outcome. Wow. In Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, um, we read, blessed are, the, blessed are the meek. It's one of the um, scriptures there. 
That word meek refers to a stallion. Now, this is a beautiful picture, a stallion. You, you can just envision powerful, beautiful, classy, just so, so like royal, powerful, but surrendered control to the person that is leading. I want to be a stallion, man. I want to be powerful. I want to be classy and and um, impactful and carry royalty and authority as I walk. Yet, I can only have that when I'm meek, like a stallion, surrendered my control to the Holy Spirit to say, uh, 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 you're not going to respond to the flesh right now. That's beautiful. And then what does it mean to bear with one another in love? Well, the original word um, for bear in Greek is anithomai. And we find it 15 times in the Bible, and it has different meanings in different contexts. But two of the 15 times, it means to endure. To endure. To experience or live with without giving in. To live with without giving in. So to live with somebody without giving in. Without giving in to what? Without giving in to the flesh. So bear with one another, live with one another without giving in to the flesh as you love one another. Bearing with one another in love. I'm going to finish with this. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 2. We read it right at the beginning and I want to read it again. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's time for us to put on the new self and get rid of the old self. You and I are called into a new kingdom and our lives are supposed to look different than those who are in the world. It's time to be who Jesus wants us to be. Let them be one. Let's, let's be a people that care about souls more than we care about being right. Let's care about loving the outcast more than we care about being right. Let's be the one who says, come, even though you and I do not see eye to eye, come, you can sit with me. Let being united in the midst of diversity be what sets us apart. What makes the world go, wow, how do they do that? That is, that is real love. That is hope. That is a family that I want to be a part of. We can do this. Now, as, as I close, I want you to just right now, just allow the Holy Spirit, wherever you are, to just come and do an x-ray of your heart. Let him just come and highlight some of these areas where he wants to speak directly to you today. I'm going to read a passage that's always read at, at weddings. And in context of a wedding, it is beautiful. But in context of what we're talking about, it's even more beautiful. Love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not eager, easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness come, what is in part disappears. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word that is so powerful. Thank you that you care about each one of us more than what we could ever fathom. But thank you that you also care about the world more than we could ever fathom. And we ask that you will come and give us a new heart for the lost souls, a new heart for the world out there that needs you. Father, use us to be you to them. Let them see you in us. And I ask that you will, Holy Spirit, continue working in our hearts with this seed, this word that you've planted in our hearts, continue to bring this back to our remembrance in the next few days, that we can meditate on this word and that we can apply it to our words so that we can be one. So we can answer the prayer of you, Jesus, your heart's desire for us as a church. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.